0: The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out!
1: There's a new podcast in town. Warned, alive or preferably dead. A new bi-weekly show from the Jersey Outlaw and the Suburban Cowboy that brought you J-A-F-M-P and, and Motion Picture Massacre. Each episode, Vaughn and Stephen will choose a film in the Western genre and let you know whether it's good, bad, or just plain ugly. So mosey on over to WarrantedPodcast.com to subscribe. There's a new podcast coming, and hell's riding with it.
0: For the Bone Bat
1: podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore.
0: Bone Bat. put that coffee down. Coffee's for
2: closers only. You think I'm fucking with you?
0: I'm
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 81 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve.
3: And this is Gordon. How's it going, man? Oh, man, it's it's going. Yeah? This cold weather, though, this cold weather is messing us up. I don't know. You got snow <laughs> up there.
1: Yeah, we got about six to eight inches of snow standing right now, which is
3: rare in Seattle. That's super rare in Seattle. We have, you know, the about as cold as it gets here happening, which is in its 20s. And I know all the people in Michigan and the people in Norway that listen to our show are laughing at me right now because I realize that that's not genuinely cold. Mm. And it's not actually the cold itself that's messing us up. It's the fact that my wife bought gloves for my kids. Okay. And they, they love them. But as soon as they put on the gloves, which is, like, immediate, like, inside the house... They completely—they they cannot do anything else. The, the gloves prevent everything else from happening related to leaving.
1: So, are, is they, there something awesome about the gloves? Like, are they Spider-Man gloves or Iron Man gloves or like some kind of gloves that would
3: make you think of a superpower or something like that? You'd think no. They're just—they're just like fleece gloves. <laughs> but they put them on and they they can't think they they completely stop doing whatever it was that they were supposed to be doing like getting ready to go because they got the gloves on. we got the gloves we got the gloves and they, they run around they got the gloves ah! it, it not only prevents them from doing things requiring manual dexterity, you know physically prevents them from doing things like zipping up backpacks or or putting on jackets or buttoning things but like mentally they're just totally... Wow, we got gloves on. They're they're not gloves, man. They're like gauntlets of incompetence. <laughs> things. They, I think I have those in Skyrim. I think I, I, I might have sold mine to get a flaming orcish <laughs> dancer. No axe. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. So one is warmer. Hopefully the the glove uh, thing will stop, and my kids can once again function. Or maybe it'll go on long enough that the glove thing will get old hat and. They'll be able to like move on with their lives. Gloves, old hat. <laughs> oh, you're going at the clothing jokes tonight, which are never funny.
1: <laughs> you're the one who busted it out. I did.
3: Yeah, well, I'm not even going to try to make a scarf reference. There you go. Scarves are whack.
1: <laughs> well, we've got some awesome music to listen to tonight. I'm pretty fired we up do. about this. We've been listening to these guys for a long time. Hmm. This, of course is California's infamous and famous Black Flag.
3: Yeah, this is episode 81. I think we started listening to these guys in 81.
1: That's true, huh? Probably about the time Damage came out, right? Yeah, probably about. for like the Jealous Again EP or something like that. I know you were listening to it quite a bit before I was. You you definitely introduced me to Black
3: Flag. Yeah, I can claim that one. I think Repo Man. I don't know. That's Black Flag was like the first if not the first, one of the first genuine punk bands that I'd heard and went, ooh, I want more of that. I don't even know what that is, but I want more of it. Yeah, and what I kind of dug about them was
1: that they had a metallic slant that really appealed to a metalhead like myself.
3: Yeah, I never really considered them very metallic. I'm just really noisy. I think at the time, I pictured metal as a much more clean sound than the... Just like dirt that would blast out of the speakers when these guys would play.
1: Well, there's a Sabbath influence there, though. When they yeah, started, you know what? I think you're right. When they start slowing things down, like in you know My War and those later albums, I think there was definitely kind of a same genetic material that was coming from a couple of different kind of musics that came together as I would listen. Good stuff. I... So, that was Rise Above that we opened with from the album Damage and we'll be uh, talking a lot more about the band as we continue. But first, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about our upcoming film festival?
3: Oh yeah. The so, Bone Bat Film Fest, number 2, The Comedy of Horror. Number 2, that is like a poop reference.
1: <laughs> and a lot of stuff was happening this week. First of all, our tickets finally went on sale. Right off the bat, we sold two enormous packages. Exactly. Now why don't you explain what the couple of different ways that you can buy our tickets right now?
3: Well, you can buy the traditional ticket, if you will. In or, advance, which will save you five bucks.
1: Well, not, right, yeah. Not to which, be sneezed at. No.
3: Five dollars is five dollars. You can get yourself some some pizza or beer or something with the five dollars you're saving. Or if you are so Inclined and endowed, you can get the enormous package. The enormous (laughs) package includes a ticket to the Bone Bat Film Festival Comedy of Horrors. It includes a Bone Bat Film Festival Comedy of Horrors t-shirt. It includes a pizza at the fest from Flying Saucer Pizza. It includes autographed CDs from the band Burning of Eye and the band Death Star, both of which will be performing at the Bone bat film fest comedy of horrors number deuce
1: anything else we're gonna throw some posters in there some other goodies it's gonna be awesome so definitely will sign your boob you need to grab an enormous package while you can now the the good thing to know is that if you do want to get just an advance ticket now everything in the enormous package is going to be sold a la carte at the festival. But. Depending on how many packages we sold, the, the shirts were only having so many shirts printed up, and so you may miss out on your chance to get a limited edition Bone Bat Festival t-shirt if you wait too long. So that's, that's something right. you might want to consider. And
3: then once they're gone, they're gone. You yeah, can't do this all day. Yeah, we won't. As, as the squeegee <laughs> we won't, guy says.
1: We won't be able to make other ones before the festival, so.
3: No. Steve will actually be able to draw uh, the t-shirt design, though, on, once again, your boo. <laughs> nice.
1: Additionally, we have another film that we would like to announce, our second feature. You've watched it. I've watched it. It was awesome. Now it's time for the fine folks, the attendees in Seattle to come check this out. We would like to announce the official feature selection of the Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, Monster Brawl. You like monsters? This has monsters. This has all the monsters. And they brawl. This film is directed and written by Jesse T. Cook. It stars Dave Foley of Kids in the Hall of Fame, as well as Art Hindle, and it's freaking hilarious. You do not want to miss this. This, and The Mole Man of Belmont Avenue, and Shorts, and Death Star, and Burning of Eye. Holy shit.
3: You've got You. Why are you there now? Yeah, the, the entertainment is, is just
1: off the hook. So please come and join us for the Bone Bat Film Festival, April 21st, 2012. You can get tickets at... BoneHand.com slash BoneBatFF.html. There's a link. There's a link. So, why don't we just get right down to brass tacks?
3: Dude, what pisses you off? You know what pisses me off? Here's what pisses me off. This helicopter that my dad gave me at Christmas. Not for Christmas. At Christmas. Okay. Because my dad, at some point, walked into a radio-controlled toy store... And bought himself, like, the most expensive electric helicopter that they had there. Okay. It's not like the little one that maybe you've seen where you can, you know, plug it into a USB port, charge it up for a few minutes, and fly it around the house. Yeah, Yeah,
1: we have a couple of those floating around.
3: Yeah, no, this is a monster. It's like, I don't know, a couple feet long, and it's got four blades, which are made out of this lightweight styrofoam plastic stuff, which I will get to in a minute. And it's got servos, and it's everything is adjustable, and it's got spare parts. And looking at the price tags and all the spare parts and everything, this this has got to be hundreds, plural, of dollars Okay. for this helicopter. It's the kind of thing like one would get if... They've been doing radio control model stuff for a while, and then they graduated up to this. But my dad jumped in with both feet, decides he wants it, and he cannot make it fly. He said, I just... I try, I keep crashing it. The blades snap off, and then uh, you know I put new blades on. And it's just really not my thing. So he gave it to me. Now it comes with a bunch of spare blades, and that should have been warning, red flag number one. But you know, hey, free radio-controlled helicopter. So come Christmas time, he gives me this thing, and I'm at my in-laws' house, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn to fly it. And there's this extensive sequence of events you have to go through turn on this switch that plug this thing in pre-flight get the whole thing going and and it's got like this remote control that's as, as big as a suitcase and i set it on the ground and i start to you know ramp it up and it's quite powerful the wind is blowing off it lifts like an inch off the floor and i start scooting it forward i'm like okay okay i'm getting the hang of it and my kid goes, Dad, do you think you should be doing that in the house? <laughs> Fine. So I take it outside, start to do the same exact thing. Pre-flight lift it up, gets an inch off the ground now, start going forward. It's just scooting along, just barely an inch off the ground. I'm about ready to get it into, like, hover mode. And an inch off the ground is not quite enough to clear the garden hose that's laying on the ground. And I swear, it just kisses the garden hose and... Whap! The whole thing, like, flips over forward. The blades, all four blades, just explode off the helicopter. just just detonates. (laughs) So I spent, like, literally the next hour putting on new blades. And then once you put them on, you have to true them. And you test the helicopter and make sure the blades are just sewed. I take it out, and I start to fly it. But it looks like one of the blades isn't quite right because... When it gets about an inch off the ground, it starts going. Okay, so I set it back down. And I spent like another hour, after an hour putting the things on, I spent an hour like getting the blades just so. So they're all spinning in a plane. They're not going over each other, under each other, holding it with one hand, doing the remote with the other. I finally get it all done. Okay, now I'm two hours into this. Okay. Set it on the ground. Start it up. Get it going. It's going like hell, but it's not lifting up. It's just stuck to the ground. Oh, and you c- left the parking brake on? <laughs> yeah, I left the parking brake on. How did you know? So I, I I give it full throttle, like full blast. Now the thing is is like noise, rawr, and it's just stuck to the ground. And all of a sudden, like from the ground, without even getting off the ground, the whole thing tips over, full speed, blam All the blades come flying off, shattered again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, Really? (laughs) Really? So it's the gift that keeps on taking.
1: Fuck you, helicopter!
3: (laughs) So at that point, I put it all back in the box. I put it in the trunk of my car. I gave it away to a friend who, like, flies (laughs) remote-controlled devices and can handle big boy toys (laughs) like this. Let us never speak of this again. (laughs) We'll never speak of this again. That's what pisses me off. That hours crazy. of my life wasted. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah, the I mean, remarkable I mean, thing is I didn't like lose an eye or get my scrotum caught in it or anything. Right. Well, and I, I, I did I've, not get injured.
1: And I fiddled with the little styrofoam ones a little bit that are really light. And yeah. You know, it's real easy because you'll you'll like gently get them off the ground and you'll kind of spin them one way, spin them the other way, and then gently push nose forward the joystick and it'll pow, slam a new tree. <laughs> <laughs> or flip upside down and wreck. And I mean, this is a little tiny thing that's harder to break. I can't imagine like a big expensive one. I would wreck the shit out of it.
3: Now, my kid has one of the small ones, but it's metal. And uh, he flew that around his grandparents' house a little bit come Christmas time. And you know, those things can absolutely dismantle a poinsettia <laughs> I'm sure flies in here quack, 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 and it's like salad on the floor
1: so it wasn't so much that you couldn't fly this great big helicopter it was that at the same time your kid was dancing around joyously flying his little helicopter <laughs> yes, effortlessly exactly. around the yard <laughs> this is easy
0: dad this is
1: fun why do you suck when you get old It is. <laughs> as your face gets
3: continually redder <laughs> just sitting there angrily drinking the bottle of eggnog, trying to manipulate these micro-miniature screws and screwdrivers to get everything tuned just so. Oh, man. So what pisses you off?
1: Well, yeah, I've had my own winter frustrations lately. So we kind of talked about, uh, we were talking today about the snow in Seattle and how it makes everybody lose kind
3: of their fucking mind. <laughs> Just, yeah, Seattle's you know. one of those places people aren't really dial. They, they don't have the snow grain.
1: They don't, which is weird because we get the snow every year, but there's just not enough familiarity with it to really dial in, like how to drive in it or how to deal with it. For instance, the school. So we've known all week, for last week, they've been talking about nothing else, that, oh, the snowpocalypse is coming. We've known it's going to snow. So there's no school on Monday. Martin Luther King Day. So yeah, you know, Monday. that really didn't have
3: anything to do with the weather.
1: Anyway, so Monday we didn't have school. They send out memos Monday night. Okay, tomorrow's going to be snow, so we're going to start everything two hours late. Fine, All right. get up, get the kids off to school, do whatever. We're doing our work. And it stops snowing. And it's not looking too bad. There's snow on the ground. But I'm like, you know, I'm used to snow. I can drive in it. My wife was working from home today. You know what? We never get a chance to go have lunch together. So we drive down the hill. Julie's losing her shit. We're gonna wreck, we're gonna die, we're gonna crash. Like honey, we're fine. It's okay.
3: I've got the I once flew like the sixteen dip- hours to visit you, landed at the snowy airport in Detroit, and your wife may be driving the snow. Yeah, she's, she's I, I, not really she, Right, she's a in the she snow. is
1: a city girl, I'll say that. But anyway, we get down, we have a nice lunch and it was really nice, you know, no kids around. It's nice to do that every once in a while. So we grab a you know, a couple of quick groceries at the grocery store next door, and then we were driving up the hill. We had to go a roundabout way. And in front of us, there's like a couple of two-wheel drive cars. And I go the roundabout way that is the least steep hill to get back to our house, right? Yeah. And so in front of me, we're turning and we see there's a cop car stopped. About And there are about five cars in a row with a cop car in front of it. And the cop car is actually pushing a car <laughs> up the hill. <laughs> now, I've never seen That's pretty Siskiyou County for the cops around here. <laughs> I'm used to that sort of thing growing up, but I, I don't know. You, you don't see that a lot around my parts anyway. So, you know, I, I finally get home. So people, people are losing their minds. And then we get home and our phone, our voicemails have just blown up that the school has decided to release the kids early. What? Yeah. So after sending them, telling them to come in late,
3: they've released the kids early. So, what does that accomplish besides just getting their federal funding for the day? Yeah,
1: exactly. That's all that was accomplished. So, well, does this, the school this, not have heaters? Like I said, people lose their minds around the snow. Around but when it strikes close to home, that's when it really gets to me. So, like I said, Monday kids had off, and we had some. We've got these snow tools that we got for Christmas. There are a couple of Eddie Bauer snowball makers. They look like ice cream scoops, like double-headed ice cream scoops. And so you All scoop right. up and you make badass snowballs when the when they the actually snow, work. Yeah, they work great when the snow is fluffy. Like I was lining up rows of of little piles of snow on the car hood, and I could knock out like twenty quality snowballs in about three minutes.
3: Huh? Those and look like just a gimmick, or you know, something people would use the, to make snowballs if they didn't have, say, hands.
1: No, it's they're they're awesome for like fast delivery of snowballs. All right, and we got this brick maker, and so. They make a fort, and that's awesome. Then the next day comes along, and my son it wants to play in the snow. So he goes outside, and he's playing in the snow, and he's calling for his sister. Come out. Come outside. Come outside. Come outside. I want to play have a snowball fight. Come outside. My daughter's taking her time. She's kind of dragging her feet coming out there. So he throws a snowball at her window. Doesn't get her moving fast enough. So he takes one of the bricks that he made the night before for the fort and throws it through my window.
3: Oh no, like through, like broke the window?
1: Shatters it. (laughs) I'm sitting on the couch in the living room. I hear this noise. (laughs) And I'm just, oh shit. (laughs) So I go out front, and honestly, the look of terror on the poor boy's face. (laughs) Because I was a little boy once too, and I just knew. And I was like, oh, you poor kid. And so I was like, well, the, the thing that pissed me off was that I had told him previously not to throw snowballs at the glass windows because that yeah. could happen.
0: Yeah. And he did it again. Yeah. So
1: anyway, I had to spend the day today uh, having a glass repairman come out to the house to fix my daughter's window. That sucks. <sighs> yeah. So that really pisses me off how the snow makes people lose their goddamn mind.
3: Apparently so. Yeah.
1: and you know it's like i'm pissed but the same moment i feel totally terrible for him when i was a kid there was one time i was over at a friend's house and we were playing batman and i was trying to punch him yeah and he jumped out of the way and i punched through their plate glass window oh god and it cut my wrist oh god and so like i'm sitting there bleeding everywhere the the door shattered and I, fe- I felt that same sinking feeling in my stomach that I know he felt when he did that.
3: Well, when you are at your friend's house, did the mother there say, hey, stop playing Batman, stop punching towards the plate glass window, and you did it anyway? No. Well, that's so, the difference. Yes, that,
1: that's definitely a difference, but you know, maybe that should go without saying. That the Little boys don't have a lot of common sense, and well, I you- understand that. Well, he was saving up for a PlayStation, and now he just bought a glass window. So,
3: <laughs> Enjoy that window, son. <laughs> <Let's>,
1: <laughs> I'd go in there and polish that every week if I yeah, were. Yeah,
3: just stand and gaze out of it.
1: <laughs> so anyway, uh, we don't have any feedback this week, but I, I do have a thank you. I'd like to thank Benza, our longtime listener from Dortmund, Germany, who sent us a copy of Dead Island last week. Benza, Uber Alice. Exactly, on for Xbox, which is awesome, because I was wanting to play that game, and a bunch of other games came up. So after uh, I finally finish up playing with Skyrim, I'm going to give that a t- try, and then I will shoot it your way, and then we will give the review on the show. How cool is that? Thanks, man. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. That was really cool of you. Right, why don't we listen to a tune? You
3: announced this one. This was your
1: personal request.
3: Yes, this is one of those songs Though when I make a compilation for people and I'm putting punk rock on it, this is almost always a song that would go on it to make people go, wow, what was that band? i got to hear more of that. Black Coffee from the album Slip It In.
1: Once again, that was Black Coffee from Black Flag and the 1984 album Slip It In on SST Records.
3: Yeah. You know, early, early Black Flag, they had a song called Jealous Again. And it was about a guy who was having a hard time coping with his girlfriend who's constantly jealous. Whereas the song Black Coffee is a song about a guy who's jealous of his girlfriend. And he's drinking black coffee and staring at the walls.
1: He was having a hard time.
3: That's something else. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) All right, so Black Flag, why don't we talk about the band a little bit? Uh, The band was formed in 1976 in Hermosa Beach, California, by Greg Ginn, guitarist, primary songwriter, and sole continuous member through many, many personnel changes over the years. He also, interestingly enough, created the company SST when he was 12 years old. The company wow. was actually named Solid State Tuners as he was a ham radio aficionado. He had started a Fanzine as well as this little company where he modified and sold modified uh, ham radio equipment. And then later on as his interest changed and he started a band, uh, he re- kind of repurposed SST into a record company so he would have a place to release his records for Black Flag. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. So the band, uh, once again, started in 1976, and for several years, they kind of sort of a revolving door of members, but the, the kind of a core formed around Greg, bassist Chuck Dukowski, who also was the band's de facto tour manager and one of the big champions of the band in the early days, as he was very outgoing and charismatic, whereas Greg Ginn was a very quiet guy. And so they made a great team together as far as, you know, promoting the band's music. Also, uh, Des Cadina, who uh, would, did some vocals as well as guitar for the band, and the drummer Robo, who was with the band for a number of years. And so they, that was the kind of the core. They had several different vocalists, uh, starting with Keith Morris in the very early years, who would go on to form the Circle Jerks. Following him was Ron Reyes, who actually quit the band in the middle of a gig And the band was so pissed off at him that on the next album they released, they ascribed all of the vocals to Chavo Pederast. That's a wonderful story. No, that's not a good story.
3: That is a good story. I
1: like it. Then Des Cadena took over vocal duties after that, and he sang. On, so he was a fan of the band and didn't join the band as vocalist. Did that for a little while, and then he wanted to switch guitar. And it turned out that they were playing in New York, and a fan of the band showed up that night uh, by the name of Henry Garfield. And this guy was a hardcore fan. He had been uh, corresponding with the band for a couple of years. And the next morning, he had to get back to work at the ice cream shop he was a manager of, and he had to leave because it was a late-night show. And so he asked the band if he could sing their song Clocked In on the way out as he hit the road. And so uh, Chuck Dukowski and Dez, of course, said, yeah, jump on, sing it. And that was the first time that Henry Rollins ever sang with Black Flag. And the rest, as they
3: say, is history.
1: Yeah, he went back to work. A couple of weeks later, he gets a call from the band that they're back in town and uh, wanted to meet with him. And he thought that they just wanted to hang out for the day or something. And then he shows up, and it turns out it's an audition for the band. And he knows every song, and he goes after it the only way that Rollins can, which is 500%. And uh, he was offered the job that day and would continue to be their front man until the band uh, broke up. Indeed. So uh, they had a number of releases, 45s and EPs and that sort of thing, from 78 to 81, and then that would be re-released later as the first four years compilation. But their first real album was Damaged in 1981, which was basically Rollins had just joined the band a few weeks earlier. They immediately went into the studio, and he was kind of coached through his vocals as he was kind of learning the songs and the new stuff, and how Greg Ginn wanted to do things by Ginn and Dukowski, and they kind of brought it all together into that first album, which is full of short, sharp, shocking punk tunes. It really is the most punky, I think, of any of Black Flag's releases. Yeah, I agree. That year, they did their first European tour in uh, end of 81, And uh, on the way back, Robo got detained and was not allowed to come back into the country. And so for the next couple of years, there was some upheaval in the band. There was some legal issues that they had going on because Damaged was also distributed by MCA Records. And there was some legal problems with the label Unicorn that had put out the album. Uh, They were missing members and things just didn't gel until a few years later when... uh, Drummer Bill Stevenson from The Descendants joined up and they released their next album in 1984, My War. You may recognize the Raymond Pettibone art.
3: Oh, yeah. How could you not?
1: Now, Raymond Pettibone is kind of really famous for his work with Black Flag, right?
3: Yeah, it really is. I, you know, I guess he was maybe famous before that. And if you had your shit together and you knew about art, you would have known Raymond Pettibone before you would have known Black Flag. But I wasn't that guy. Mm -hmm. But once you see it, you know it. You're like, oh, that guy.
0: Yeah, Yeah, sure.
3: And you
1: know what? He's actually Greg Ginn's brother. What? His name's Ray Ginn. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, Raymond Pettibone is his artistic name. What a talented family. Yeah, no kidding.
3: Pretty amazing. They make my family look like no talent having people, that's for sure. (laughs)
1: So then the band would basically, over the next two and a half years, were so hardworking and so prolific, they basically toured constantly, living out of vans and rehearsal spaces. And they released, I think, like six albums in a two and a half year period. You had My War in 1984. The next album, Family Man, came out, and they uh, had hired Kira Rossler who would take over the bass duties. For my war, actually, Greg Ginn did the bass duties under the pseudonym of Dale Nixon. And so they were actually able to get a dedicated bassist in time for Family Man, which was kind of a different album for them. Half of it was Greg Ginn instrumentals, and the other half was Rollins' Spoken Word stuff. Yeah, Spoken Word, yeah. Yeah, and there was only one song, I think it's Armageddon Man or something, that's the full band together, right? Yeah. And then after that... Then they had Slip It In. They also had a Live 84 release, which was a live album in 84. Loose Nut came out in 1985. And then In My Head in 1985, which would be their last studio release. And then in uh, March 1986, they released Who's Got the Ten and a Half, which is maybe one of my top three live albums of all
3: time. That is a great live album. It is
1: amazing, and it captures that band in, in such a great light. It just all energy and noise and power and just a great chronicle of the band at that time. Which is sad, because on June 27th, 1986, in Detroit, Michigan, was the band's final gig. A few months after the tour, Rollins got a call from Greg Ginn that he was quitting the band, and it was all over. They did release Wasted again in 1987, which was a greatest hits package, but that was pretty much it. I mean, if you think about it, from 1981 to 1986... All those releases in a five-year period.
3: They were working hard.
1: Holy cow. And a band that influenced, like, everybody. I mean, they had prefigured grunge to a large degree. And all those bands, like Mudhoney and Nirvana, and all those bands were familiar with Black Flag. Like Mark Arm of Mudhoney, in Michael Azarad's book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, he talks about how, like, he was seeing Black Flag every time they would come to town. And you know, their influence didn't just end at their sound either. I mean, Black Flag set the template for how an independent band could fund their own tours, self-promote, print and publish their own music that is followed to this day by a lot of the independent artists that we feature here on the Bone Bad Show.
3: Yeah, and they they encompassed a number of of punk styles, of styles that went on other bands' grabbed that style and that became the style for the band the, the black flag moved through them
0: mm-hmm.
3: they, they had the initial kind of snotty fast stripped down sound of uh early punk rock they had that really dense noisy phase then they got it that that almost uh you know sound garden slower grungy sound in in songs like um i can see you you can see me and uh Crazy girl, and which, which which album was that? I'm trying to That's think of that. That's in my head. In my head, yeah, that was the funny because I took was... this photograph. Is dead. Yeah, we were talking
1: about in my head today, and I hadn't listened to that in a couple of years, and I put it on again, and man, that is a powerful album. Retired it is at 21. So good, a yeah. Nice song. You're retired at 21. No, know, you don't need to sing it. No, it. oh, it's so good, it's so good. What's interesting about the band, though, is like. Greg Ginn's discordant style of soloing that he brought to the table, you didn't hear that anywhere outside. The only other guitarist that I can think of who does that sort of thing is Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. We'll do like these guitar solos where the notes almost don't sound like they fit together.
3: Well, you did at that time you dropped your guitar down the stairs.
1: Well, yeah, that. But I mean, that wasn't on purpose. No. It's a really unique, distinctive style that he has. And you couple that with The way that Rollins would just attack a song, just eat it alive. And, you you know, if you've ever seen Rollins live, that guy works his
3: ass off singing. And And he's a funky man. The man has a funk to him. He's churning out these really powerful yelling songs, and yet he's... He's got a little James Brown in there somehow. He has a lot of James Brown
1: in him. If you've heard any of his spoken word, he talks about how he's a huge fan of James Brown and Aretha Franklin. And actually, some of the music he listened to growing up was a style of music in the Washington, D.C. area called Go-Go that was like kind of a faster version of funk. And there was a number of bands in that area that were playing that style. Particularly a go-go band called Trouble Funk that Rollins has been a champion of for years. They did a tune called Super Grit, and it's amazing. And it was just pretty cool that, you know, he brought that to the table. And that was one of the things in the interview that I was reading that interested Greg Ginn and Chuck Dukowski was that he came to the table not just with punk rock influences, but he listened to a lot of other stuff as well. And so that made them think that he would be a good fit
3: for Black Flag. And what a fit he was. So, yeah, Black Flag. If you don't own any, any of their stuff, you really need to. Go out and get Slip It In and start from there, I would say.
1: See, I think that In My Head is better than Slip It In. I think Slip It In has pieces, but it's not as complete of a head-wrecking experience as In My Head is. You know and what? I would go with
3: In My Head. That's yeah. that's viable.
1: Either one, get them both. Loose Nuts fucking great, too.
3: Well, now, you know, what we're, we're just eventually going to name all the albums. Yeah. But
1: as I and as I mentioned, though, who's got the 10 and a half? If you want a really good live album, it's amazing.
3: And you'll know after listening to it, who's got the 10 and a half.
1: So a little bit of where are they now? Rollins, of course, went on to become a multimedia superstar. It's interesting, though. He isn't really doing any live music anymore. He's just doing spoken word stuff along with he's got a radio show and a TV show and every other damn thing. But he he isn't actually doing music. Greg Ginn, however, is doing enough music for the both of them. He's in like 50 bands, including <laughs> H.O.R., Fasgato, October Faction, Gone, Killer Tweaker Bees, Confront James, El Bad Mojack, the Texas Corrugators, and Jam Band. Good lord. And uh, interestingly enough, the drummer Robo and Des Kadena are currently in the Misfits with lone surviving member of that band, Jerry Only. Oh that's cool. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, it's interesting how, like, you know, the tie into the Circle Jerks, the tie into the Misfits, all these bands that we listened to then and were also awesome, you know, they're still around, they're still performing. It's pretty cool. Although the Misfits aren't as good as they used to be, but what are you going to do about that?
3: Old age. It's tough.
1: It is. Anyways, you can buy all of the music discussed in this episode at SST.com. Also, by way of quick bibliography, a couple of really interesting books you should check out. On Black Flag, if you're interested, are the previously mentioned Our Band Could Be Your Life by Michael Azarad and Henry Rollins' own Get In The Van, which is like several years of tour diaries. Both of these books are amazing reading. Can't recommend them highly enough. Anyway, so thank you to SST for sharing the music with us. It's awesome to be checking it out, and uh, we'll listen to
3: another one in a minute. But first, do you have a political rant this week? You know, I do have a political rant this week write this day down on your calendar you can refer back to it you go oh, i remember when i found this out today's the day the next banking crisis is going to happen and the next banking crisis is going to be with the credit unions yup let me tell you i know this to be true because my dad told me this and he knows these things he's been right about all of them so far savings and loan crisis back when we were kids what happened They deregulated the savings and loans. They were the least watched over. They got funky. They spent more money than they had. They made commitments that they could not uh, honor. Savings and loan crisis. Fast forward a few years. Most recently, the big-ass investment bank crisis, where they blurred the line between investment houses and banks. Deregulated. Lesser regulations, lesser oversight allowed them to do more funky things. Credit default swaps, hey, no problem. Put yourself on the hook for more money than you actually got. Kaboom, banking crisis. So now, the big banks trying to make it all up. Where are they going to make their money? They're sticking it to the customers. The customers are fleeing. Where are they going? Credit unions. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? Credit unions are the banks with the weakest regulation so may not happen this year may not happen next year credit union crisis gonna happen so why is there going to be because the least regulated bank is always the one that's gonna do the dumb shit that makes it go under the people with the least oversight are gonna stretch the rules the farthest to try to make more money and when they do so it's gonna happen system-wide because all of them are gonna try to do it whatever the it is that allows them to be more risky than they should be, and then they're going to pay the price. When one of them goes, you're going to find out all of them are doing the same thing and they're all going to go. Whether it's giving people mortgages that there's no way that they can pay on, on houses that are nowhere worth what they are on paper, whether it's uh, credit default swaps committing to things that you cannot cover the losses for, it's going to be something. I don't know what it is. But isn't it the the, the selling point of a credit union
1: is that they're smaller so they have less resources to sink into something like that and that they're run by boards generally who will help steer them in the right direction as opposed to you can't really have like one guy abscond all the money at a credit union.
3: Yeah, you can't have one guy abscond all the money at a bank either. Banks are run by boards. Your local community banks that are failing left and right – because they made a bunch of bad housing loans. Those are run by boards. The difference is credit unions are non-profit, but as they get bigger, it's it's the classic model. They're gonna get bigger because more people are putting money into them.
1: Yeah, because When people, they get, when they get bigger, the
3: they're gonna push Congress for less regulation. They're gonna say, look, in order for us to compete, we need you to loosen the strings on us. And they're gonna have the money to buy the congressman to do so. So there, there will be less and less regulation. They're going to do something stupid, and the whole thing's going to fall apart. So you're, what you're saying is
1: that everybody who just took their money out of the banks after the last crisis and put them in credit unions need to take their money out of the credit union and put it in a jar
3: in the backyard. Jar, uh, a coffee can, mattress would work. Any of those items, really.
0: I see. No, you,
3: you, your money might be fine. Just like if you put your money in a bank and and it failed. If you put your... Lo- Money in your local community bank and it went under. It's FDIC insured. You get your money back, but uh, doesn't mean the bank didn't fail. Doesn't mean that that's going to have not going to have repercussions yeah. for the community at large. So that that that's my prediction. So come back to me in five years and find out if it really happened. Okay. All right, because all my predictions come true. By the way, note how I said the 49ers absolutely could not beat New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm glad I did.
1: So, who, who's going to win in the 49ers Giants game? The hell,
3: if I know, I think the 49ers will, which probably means the Giants will. But now that I think the Giants will, does that mean the 49ers will? I'm calling it the Giners game, just because it's the, funny. <laughs> the Faginers, <laughs> the Giners, just the Giners. I like it. Oh God!
1: All right, dude. Well, why don't we listen to another tune? Let's do it. This is my favorite song from Black Flag. This song is about drinking and driving, so they called it Drinking and Driving. Once again that was drinking and driving from 1985's in my head on sst records great release once again pick it up yeah
3: great song multimedia triage triage let's okay, talk honestly, stuff man it's been so long we've been since doing we've so done the show stuff, but honestly besides skyrim the sheer amount of else?
1: entertainment that has gone through our brains in the last
3: three weeks it is amazing let's see so first I nearly got decapitated, but I was saved when a dragon attacked a castle. And then I went on to to visit the Greybeards and try to join the mages' college. And and then I actually tried to get lycanthropy. And also, I got a magic sword. I killed a bunch of goats. Pretty much it.
1: I actually killed a dragon with one Fusro Daw up his fucking gullet. Oh my god, you gave a dragon a
3: Fusro Daw facial?
1: Yes, and it killed him. Boom, dead. One shot. It was awesome. But you know what? It occurs to me that telling Skyrim stories is no fun. It's like bragging about your fantasy football team. Nobody it gives is. a fuck at all.
3: All right. So I did do some other things.
1: <laughs> so let's do a little bit of reviewing of Skyrim, though. Really what? loving it. You already reviewed it. I didn't. You did. I didn't have oh, it. Oh, we talked about it. I shot a goat, a... goat
3: and, and yeah, yeah. Made you
1: that, sh- that rude you mix. Shot of a goat. Oh boy. <laughs> Ugh, uh. Anyway, yeah. Really love the game. A couple of things bug me about it, though. They still haven't fixed the climbing up a mountain physics from Oblivion and Morrowind. God damn, that's annoying. It's like you see a patch of dirt that should be climbable, and you try to climb up and you can't. You can only go laterally on the mountain. Oh, it's totally driving me nuts. I have not had this problem. I have that problem all the freaking time. Also, I don't know if I'm spoiled from the Mass Effect games, but. In Skyrim, you occasionally get, like, assistants to help you go out and battle. Mm -hmm. And they've got zero personality. Whereas in the Mass Effect games, like, everybody has a different story to them. Like, there's this chick Lydia who follows me around everywhere, and yet I can't have a decent conversation with her.
3: Yeah, well, you like those talky games.
1: Well, it doesn't even have to be talky. I mean, you can't say that Skyrim isn't talky. It certainly it's not is. nearly as talky
3: as Mass Effect.
1: But you could definitely build in more to the people that you're going to be spending a lot
3: of time with. Wait, there's roughly 85,000 hours of gameplay in this.
1: Yeah, Infinity I know. Infinity Dragons,
3: and you're bitching that it's not deep enough. Right, I gotta, no, I'm just saying, if I gotta be
1: dragging this bitch around behind me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not really
3: nice. That's probably not the
2: most
1: <laughs> correct, way. By the hair, caveman? If I have to be dragging this chick around with me everywhere, at least, you know, we could have some interesting conversations on the road. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, that's nitpicking on a game that is pretty damn amazing. I mean, you can keep going and having different kinds of adventures. And you know, you and I were commenting on the fact that we're playing the game completely differently.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm some kind of a battle mage magic using guy in in heavy armor. And you're essentially a floof that pays pan flute and gets into slap fights? Yes, no. Uh, I don't know
1: what a floof, what race that is. But I'm a warrior of some sort. And yet we've gone to completely different places and we've had completely different experiences. And that's pretty awesome in a game that can be a lot of different things to different people. And it probably speaks well to the replayability or continued playability. Because as far as I know, this game can last literally forever, right?
3: Yeah, that's that's as I understand it.
1: So, that's pretty awesome. So, great game. If you're not playing it, you
3: should be. I did manage to uh, take in a few uh, movies and videos and whatnot, though. I watched 30 Minutes or Less, finally, with the Z's on sorry. Mm-hmm. How was that? Was it funny? You know, that movie pissed me off because it should have been a lot funnier than it was. That movie was just kind of mildly amusing, and it should have been hilarious. I was worried that that was the kind of movie that a lot of the best stuff was in the trailer. A lot of the best stuff was in the trailer, but they had really funny people in the movie, and there were a lot of opportunities for comedy that they just didn't take. I I was pretty disappointed in 30 minutes or less. I wouldn't recommend watching it. Okay. On the other hand, though, finally rented Rise of Planet of the Apes, Great movie. Great sci-fi for everybody that thinks that movie is a big, over-the-top Transformers action flick with monkeys instead of robots. It's not that. Yeah, in the trailer, they show monkeys attacking cars, but it isn't. It's a cool sci-fi movie, and the effects with the monkeys are so flippin' believable, you have to constantly remind yourself you're not watching Actual simians, you're, you're watching special effects. It's a cool sci-fi movie. I saw it with my kids. You could do that. I did the same. I
1: rented it on pay-per-view with my kids after Gordon recommended it. And it was a movie. I can't remember why I didn't see it. I wanted to see it at the time. And no, the I asked you about good. it early,
3: and you said, Yo, I don't want to see that stupid crap. Those well, movies are terrible.
1: No, I, I don't remember that. did?
0: Huh. And, and I, 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 I tried said.
3: to say, fine. But
1: the review, when the reviews came in, I recognized that a lot of people I respected said it was good. And at the time I saw something else, you know, for to, at the theater around that time. And I just didn't go, but it was wonderful and it was smart. That's what I enjoyed about it was the fact yeah. that great acting and the script was super intelligent and you kind of walk away from that movie thinking about different things and it sort of continues on after with even the ending credits are kind of showing you like something that is brain food for, you know, the next 20 minutes. Which it has is heuristic cool value. Stuff. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Great movie. Thoroughly enjoyed it.
3: I also saw Brad Bird's latest uh, movie, Mission Impossible. I was not going to watch Mission Impossible that, at all. Is no that interest. Goat Protocol? The Goat Protocol, yes. The Mission right. Impossible.
1: The, that was your adventure
3: on the mountainside? No, and, and, Yeah, that was our last uh, show. <laughs> and you know what? It was a fun movie. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was certainly my least favorite Brad Bird movie, but that's really not saying anything because two of his four movies are my favorite movies of all time. So, you know, this is the guy that did the Iron Giant. This is the, the guy that did the Incredibles. Yeah.
1: I, I but, was shocked when you told me that it was Brad Bird because I had zero interest in seeing that Mission Impossible film.
3: Yeah. And then I saw uh, Tintin. What'd you think uh, of Tintin? It was fun.
1: That's what it I was thought a, too.
3: It, it was a bit long I stand by my comment that the animation is creepy, because it, it, the whole thing just seemed creepy. I didn't like the way the people look; they creep me out, like the way a clown creeps me out. But uh, yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah, the animation didn't bug me. I was really impressed with some of the action
3: set pieces. The action set pieces were quite over the top. They the, were really amazing.
1: The crane battle at the end, where the, the crane where, battle, yeah. Well, they were like rock'em sock'em robots. That was amazing. How about
3: when they open the water to the dam and the giant chase scene through the city as the water is flowing from the dam?
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, so it had some great stuff. And, you know, I did not grow up with Tintin.
0: I did. I did not grow
1: up with Tintin. I I never read the comics. I, I actually bought them, like, as bargain books a few years ago. And so we actually have them. And my son and I have been reading them now since we saw the movie. But my, you know, I didn't have the warm fuzzies for Tintin. So when it came to seeing the movie, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't have any, you know, sort of nostalgia for it. And I see how folks who did could really enjoy it more than maybe I did. But I enjoyed it. I I would go see another one. And uh, we're enjoying reading the books now. So kind of cool. Yeah.
3: So uh, reading actual books, I just finished reading. Chuck Polaniuk. How do you say that guy's last name? Uh, Polaniak, I believe. Polaniak. Chuck Polaniak's latest one. Damned! Which I think Death Star told us to read. Yeah. That's, that's right. a fun book. It's about a little girl who dies and goes to hell and her adventures in hell. And that's all I'll say about it. It's fun. You should read it. Although, it's told in her voice. So, if you're one of those people that does audiobooks, I don't know. If Chuck is reading it, great. If it's actually acted, it might be horrifying (laughs) Okay, because you don't want to listen to like what is she supposed to be like a 12 13 year old girl the whole time that would be awful and I am just finishing up the latest book in the Horace Heresy series Gav Thorpe's Deliverance Lost Ghosts of Terra great book one of my favorite ones in this whole great mess of Chaos and space marines and all kinds of mental chewing gum that these books are. This is about Korax and his Raven Guard who had their asses handed to them at Iveston 5. And it deals a lot with the mysterious Alpha Legion. Korax, one of the most human of the Primarchs. If you haven't been reading this series, you need to just start. (laughs) Don't come in in the middle. This is one of the books, maybe you could pick this one up and kind of come in in the middle. Most of them aren't like this, though. But the series continues to be kick-ass. Go Black Library. Nice. Yeah. And you know what I've been listening to? What's that? A a couple of things. Not in our punk rock, metal genre, but there's a band called Orgoni. I believe it's pronounced Orgoni. O-R-G-O-N-E. Maybe it's Orgone. I don't know, but I got their Cali Fever album. Very funky. Lots of horns, sort of an afro-pop, funk, the dash of Motown, just really, really good shake-your-ass kind of uh, tunes. I highly recommend it. I, I would really like to see them live. I think they've got other albums, too. I'm, I'm going to be getting them. If you like the funky stuff, if you like the horns, you got to get that. Nice. And the other thing I stumbled across... Is a Ukrainian pianist named Vika Yermalivia. I wish I knew how to pronounce her name. But what she does is she's a classically trained pianist. She's a professional musician. She went to. She, she does this for a living. She plays the hell out of the piano, but she's a metal and punk fan, and so she listens to songs like Ace of Spades and Metallica's whatever the hell Master, Master of Puppets. Of Puppets. And listens to him, writes the score down, does it by ear because she's one of those people with talent. And then she plays it on the piano. It's really cool. And I don't know. She's got a site. You can download all of the MP3s, of you know, probably 50 or 60 songs for free. You can make a donation if you wish. But check her out. She's at uh, www.vkgoeswild.com. It's fun stuff. Awesome. What about
1: you? In addition to the the same kind of movies that I saw recently that you saw, uh, I did see the second Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was great. Did this one have a plot? It did. It had a plot. It didn't have much of a mystery. But finally, Holmes is pitting wits against Moriarty. And that makes it kind of cool. And it fits in everything that you kind of know about Sherlock Holmes from the stories. It was fun. It had great action sequences. Not much mystery there, but I still enjoyed it. If you didn't like the first one, don't see this. I wouldn't recommend this to you, Gord. Thank but you. I, I, I thought it. it was, as far as entertainment, it was even better than the last one, and I liked the last one.
3: Yeah. It would uh, be neat if they did one of these with an actual mystery. Yeah, you uh, know, it's that, Sherlock Holmes. that would be. But,
1: you know, I mean, this is. it's more of a action popcorn movie i think than that sort of thing and i mean really though hasn't sherlock holmes as a quiet mystery been done to death why not take a different stab at it
3: because the stab sucks i disagree i
1: think they're just fun all right
3: well that's what makes america great
1: another another british thing that i stumbled across
3: I don't even know why I said that. I don't either, because it's a British film. Anyway, it's a British film.
1: Yeah. Uh, Another British thing I've stumbled across recently was the series The Misfits. Have you heard of this series? Only from you. Really cool kind of premise about five juvenile delinquents, and they're doing their uh, civic duty, I guess, when this freak electrical storm comes along, and they get given these interesting superpowers. But they're not kind of normal superpowers. Everybody has something different. Like this one woman can hear in her mind what people think about her, or another guy like
3: uh, like Suki Slackhouse in uh, in the Vampire uh, movies. I don't watch that shit. Anyway,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and another guy, if he really regrets something that happens, he can actually make time turn backwards. But it only works in that circumstance. This other woman, if someone touches her, they want to have, like, violent sex with her. Oh. And they're, like, yeah, they're just weird off-kilter powers. And it's how they use them. And at the same time, other people who are caught in this storm kind of keep popping up with other strange powers. And some of them are bad people, and some of them are good people. And the series always keeps it on your toes. Like, there's one episode where they go to a party, and they take some drugs, and all of their powers change.
3: <laughs> well, and that's why you shouldn't take drugs if you are exactly, a superpower. Exactly, but you know,
1: it's interesting because a show like Heroes or you know other shows, it's like you get a power and then you sort of play that hand out. And Misfits is always surprising and it's always a twist and you always wonder where they're going to go with things and you were never quite sure. And it, it's really a cool series and it's free. You can watch it on Hulu. It was a BBC series that's currently online. And it's excellent. It's really well done, well acted, and challenging TV. You never expect what's going to happen, and I like that in TV. Because we see so many series that are kind of the same old crap that are spit out, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, even the League this year really kind of crapped out near the end. Yeah, I mean, it had funny episodes, but it
1: also had episodes that were kind of duff. I hope Archer's good.
3: Oh, God, that happens this week. I cannot wait.
1: It justified is on like now. Like right now. When I get off this podcast, I'm going to go check that out. And that's
3: pretty much it. Yes, it is. So, So, filthy jokes? Filthy jokes. Let's do it. Do it.
1: So, Jenny one day hears that her elderly grandfather has just passed away, and she's pretty broken up about it. But immediately, she wants to go straight over and comfort her grandmother. So she gets there, and they're sitting down, and the grandmother's clearly shaken up. She's crying and shaky. And Jenny asks her grandmother, well, how did Grandpa die? And her grandma was always a person to just, you know, lay it on the line. She doesn't really hold back. And Grandma explains that, well, he had a heart attack during sex Sunday morning. And Jenny's a little bit horrified, picturing this in her mind, but... She kind of suggests that, well, you know, I, I guess sex at his age could be kind of asking for trouble. And the grandma says, oh, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, we had sex every Sunday morning in time with the church bells, in with the dings, out with the dongs. She paused to wipe away a tear for a second and then said, if it wasn't for that fucking ice cream truck, you'd still be alive.
3: <laughs> That's funny because she said fucking <laughs> ice cream truck. What's the difference between oral and anal? I don't know what. Oral makes your day. Anal makes your whole week. (laughs) Really? Play on words there. Really?
1: That's what you got?
3: Week. Yeah.
1: Yeah, All right. Thank you. So I'd like to thank SST Records once again for allowing us to feature the mighty black flag on this episode.
3: Yeah. Thanks for that.
1: Also, one last note. Good friend of the show, Brian Wolford of Drunken Zombie, is currently putting together funds for his third horror short, which will be titled Mictophobia. So if you have a few extra bucks, say five, why not shoot it over to slash Mictophobia? You've heard him on the show, he's a great guy, and this is a perfect opportunity to support an independent filmmaker. So swing by and help him out, would you? Mictophobia, incidentally, is fear of the dark. If you can't spell it, look for the link on the Bone Bat page. All right, dude, our usual bullshit. You can reach the show if you'd like. At 14- if and when you'd like. At 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. Additionally, there's new content on bonehand.com every week, including the Heavy Half
3: Hour podcast. And you can see my cartoon every week at Mighty Wombat com. You can follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. I am
1: Bonehand on Twitter. We also have a Bone Bat Twitter and Facebook group where you can keep up to date on all of the latest news about the Bone Bat Film Festival. As always, thank you for listening. And if you like what we do, please do us a favor and tell a friend. Our all closing right. tune tonight from the aforementioned Who's Got the Ten and a half? This is the epic combo of Slip It In and Gimme Gimme Gimme. You won't be the same after hearing this song. Let me just tell you now. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one.
3: I do have a good one.
2: I must admit this feels mighty good. Oh. We'll About the girls, you ever think about getting some of that stuff? Now how come when I ask a girl, all the boys answer? Are some of you boys girls? If that's true, this is one strange town. But anyway, but anyway, in the words of Jim Dandy, do you believe in the hereafter? Well, that you now time that we introduce the man to you right now. Not with the normal bullshit, we'll introduce the man to you by introducing ourselves with our cock sizes. I'm the singer, and uh, my name's Henry, and I've got a one and a half. Over on guitar, that's Greg. He's got a two and Drums, that's Anthony. He's got the three and a half. Uh Uh-huh. Over there on bass is Kira. And Kira's got the, uh...
1: I think that we're done. All right. Cool. Our work is done here. Yes. Thanks, man. I will talk to you tomorrow.
3: I'll talk to you in a few hours. Okay. Bye. Bye.